There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Liberty listeners. Is finding financial freedom on your list of to-dos? Lucky for you, Brittany Castro and her company, Financially Wise Women, are here to help. And if you had a chance to listen to her episode 14 right here on this podcast, then you already know what a financial guru she is. If you haven't, definitely check out episode 14 with Brittany Castro. And when you do her financial planning, she makes it fun and easy. It's a great way for you to take control of your life and feel good about your relationship with money. She understands that if you've ever felt unheard or judged dealing with a financial advisor, that she's here to change that. She's here to help you create a solid financial actionable plan, help you set up systems to make your life easier and to reach your goals faster, all those financial goals that you might have. Just check out their website, financiallywisewomen.com, to book your discovery session now. Tell her that Liberty sent you. And if you prefer to do this whole thing from the comfort of your own bed, there's actually a six-week online course called The Money Class, and it may be the answer you ha- or you need. For more information, visit Financially Wise Women. Again, that's financiallywisewomen.com and find peace of mind with your financial decisions. Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Hey there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. And this week, we are going to decorate your lives a little bit with Laura Williams, who is the 
um, infamous in this in this circle that we run around in here in Los Angeles, a floral flower floral designer, florist, yeah, yeah. yeah all oh, those floral things, designer, yeah, yeah all good. those things. <laughs> and she's with Poppy Hill Flowers. That's her company. It's nice to have you, Laura. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely, uh, your voice is going to translate really well. I can't. It's, okay. it's got that gravelly <laughs> quality. I love it. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Poppy Hill Flowers? All right. Well, Poppy Hill Flowers is a wedding and event floral design business, and we serve L.A. and Orange counties. Um, and we're passionate about telling story through floral design. I can't wait yeah. for you to unpack what that really <laughs> means for us. So tell us a little bit about how you got started how you and why you launched Poppy Hill. Well, I actually, um, I went to school to get a degree in social work. So I did that for several years and then um, became a teacher when my son went to kindergarten. And um, I actually became, I substitute taught so mm -hmm. I could be near him. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, actually ended up getting a long-term sub job and, and just decided to stay in the teaching field. So I got my credential. And right when I finished my credential, um, I had a little health crisis that completely changed the direction of my career. Well, can you tell us what that yeah. health crisis so, was? Um, I'm trying to tell it in a nutshell because it's kind of a long story, yeah. but um, I basically started noticing a lot of hoarseness in my voice and I had to like overcompensate to pronounce my words. Hmm. Um, just some things were going on and um, and it was hard to talk loud in a crowd, which at that time I was teaching middle school. Yeah. <laughs> so as you <laughs> can imagine, yeah. <laughs> um, it was getting challenging. So I waited till the year ended and then I went in to get it fixed. I mean, to get it looked at. And um, and what they found was that I had um, some partial paralysis mm. in my vocal cord. So they were concerned and immediately sent me in for an MRI and found out that I had this huge mass like that laid deep in my neck. Mm. Um, and it was pressing against my carotid artery. So what was happening is it was like um, it caused some paralysis in my vocal cord and then in some areas that affect your tongue and and all this stuff. So. Yeah, so it was crazy and shocking, and um, at that time, we didn't know if it could be malignant or not because um, they couldn't biopsy it. It was a little bit too deep. Um, wow. Yeah, so it was a scary time. Um, and then when they went in to take it out, you know you, like, sign those death waivers before you go into <laughs> surgery? Yes. Yeah, so I had to sign one of those, and I wasn't listening to a word he said. Of course, I didn't read it. I was sure. just, like, thinking, of, you Just know, get this thing yeah, out of get me. get it out yeah. of me, exactly. Yeah. And when I woke up, I couldn't talk at all. And I couldn't swallow. It was awful. And what had happened is that the mass was um, kind of intertwined with some nerves. Mm -hmm. And so they had to cut several nerves. Um, so, yeah, so I woke up not being able to talk. <laughs> Good times. Um, now, at that point, did they say, this is temporary, you'll be fine in a few days? Or? Yeah, not a few days, okay. but he did say, don't worry, and um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fix this. So it, did, wow. it took about six surgeries. Like, they just kept, it's not all cut and dry. You know, medicine, sure. just try new things. And so what they did is they, because in order to, produce sound you have two vocal cords that constantly touch mm -hmm. and mine was you know paralyzed so there was nothing to bounce back exactly off of if yeah that, it makes sense okay and so they permanently put like an implant in it to yeah. move it to the center to like midline so my right cord does all the work and so that's how I produce sound but then like 
they had to like keep doing corrective surgeries and I would have like almost like a, it's not, it's not Botox, but it's kind of a similar uh-huh. product uh-huh. that would like um, plump it up. Uh-huh. So they did that until I got, and right now my voice is so much better than it was then. But at the point what I ended up with was pretty bad in my opinion, but my surgeon was pretty happy because it could have been a lot worse. Sure. Um, so that's what at that point I kind of ended up with. Yeah. And give us a time frame for that. Like how long ago was that? Um, so that was in 2011 okay. that I had the surgery. And um, your original question was how did Poppy Hill start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, during that time, I I knew I wasn't going to go back to teaching. I actually did try. My principal was wonderful and tried to set me up with a microphone and it just didn't work. So, um, and, uh, so I ended up just searching for, I was looking for social work again, maybe. And I remember I was just like crying and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do now? And my husband, um, just kind of knelt before me and he posed this question that just like threw me into a tailspin Mm. And he just said, um, what makes you feel alive? Mm. And he said, whatever that is, let's do that. Like, we'll figure it out. And so um, he told me not because I'm I'm like very concerned about security and, you know, what's what makes most sense. And he said, we'll figure out the money. You just um, like, let's make this happen. And so it wasn't um, it was I mean, I did like definitely think about flowers because I'm so inspired by flowers and I had played around with them for fun and stuff like that. But. Um, but it took a while. Like I had never been posed a question like that before. Many of us haven't, right? I mean, it was a freedom that like I was really inspired by and happy about, but it also was a very, like, it was hard to have that kind of freedom and think I can do anything I want to, you know? Um, so I, yeah, so I pretty much just like started this and it, it, took off kind of quickly and in the midst of all these six surgeries um because they didn't they happened throughout a span of a year yeah um actually a little over a year but in the midst of it this was happening um that uh, this business was being birthed and yeah at the same what, time <laughs> what was it about the flowers that if you were given the universe to consider which mm-hmm. your husband had posed that question right. giving you yeah. the universe like in all of mm-hmm. in all of the things that you know about and have considered and maybe haven't considered, what was it about flowers or this business Mm -hmm. of flowers that attracted you to it? Yeah. Um, I, I remember a time in college when we went on a trip to Spain Mm -hmm. and I remember being like utterly inspired by this field of poppies Mm -hmm. that I just like, I couldn't, like it took my breath away Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't I couldn't take in all the beauty and then it was gone because we were driving past it. And I just thought, like, I thought about that when he posed the question to me. I just thought, like, I'm a naturally creative person. um, And he, I think he knows that about me. And he thought, whatever you do, it needs to be creative because he knows that that's like whatever job I've ever had in my life. I've always had creativity on the side, like whether I'm doing it for friends or doing it for our church or whatever, like that's what I think about and spend time doing, mm. you know, as a hobby or whatever. Um, so th- I, I think that's what ma- mainly made me think about um, flowers. Okay. It's interesting because of the security thing mm-hmm. um, that maybe you wouldn't have thought about flowers. Right. Given that that's a part of your makeup. Is right. that is that Right. 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like when he posed that question, like he was pretty adamant about it. He was like, you're not going back into social work. And, and I, and I, and he wasn't doing it in like a, you know, a a forceful way, but I think he just at the core, he knows me and he said, do something creative. You have to do something creative. Um, So that's when I started thinking about flowers. Yeah. I love it. I love that. Um, I wish you guys could be in the studio with us because we have the most amazing flowers in front of us that, that Laura (laughs) assembled for us. We'll have to take a picture of them and, and post them. Um, okay. So you earlier said something to the effect of speaking through flowers or, or talking. I can't Mm -hmm. remember exactly what it was. And I said, I want to get back to that. What did you mean by that? Is that because your voice had been compromised or what was that about? What does it mean for you to communicate through flowers? Yeah. What I I think, I think what you're referring to is when I said that flowers at that time literally became my voice. And that's because I, I'm a real extrovert. And so when my voice was taken from me, um, I felt like a little bit, and I know now that it's not true, but I felt like at the time that it, it didn't just take my voice, but it kind of took the essence of who I was Mm -hmm. because I would be like standing in a group, you know, of girls in a circle in a, you know, in a loud room. And I couldn't interject a joke anymore. Or I couldn't like, they couldn't hear me. Like I would try or like people would stop and kind of lean forward. And that made me feel uncomfortable because like it just got awkward. You know what I mean? And they were being kind, but like, I felt like it took my voice. I mean, it took who I was because I couldn't be who I naturally was, which is an extrovert. And so I started spending a lot of time alone because like after each surgery, I would have to like spend six weeks of no talking. Um, so I was alone a lot, which made me, you know, I wasn't depressed, but I was definitely headed towards maybe depression. Um, and so I felt like in the, like I said, in the midst of this horrible thing at the same time, I would go downtown and like go to the flower mart and just come to life with these flowers. And I would, the whole first year that I was launching the business, I, my, like I'd intentionally like worked so much and never charged a penny or I would charge just for the product. Mm -hmm. And my whole intention was to build a reputation. And so I know that's not the right way to start a business. um, But somehow that worked for me because you know, I would just like every opportunity I got, yeah. I would, I would, and I would, I mean, I was brave. Like sometimes I think I was braver then than I am now. I, that um, is always the case. Yeah. <laughs> I always hear people in life and work say, how did I do that? Yeah, if I'm only I, I totally. could muster up that person's yeah. energy that I was. I want to say something or just comment on what you just said, that when you were starting, you were taking on projects that you weren't mm-hmm. getting paid for right. or getting paid at cost, mm-hmm. and that maybe that wasn't a great idea for mm-hmm. business. I, I think that sometimes we think we shouldn't do that, that we undervalue ourselves, and that is true mm-hmm. as we move forward. Right. But in the beginning, mm-hmm. if you're spending, let's say, a marketing budget mm-hmm. on getting your name known, and you're spending, we're just going to throw out $5,000. Mm-hmm. If that $5,000 is being spent in one place and you could have just made it zero, begun right. at zero by not charging somebody that $5,000, you're in the same spot. Right. So sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to take in that money Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to spend it. 
Mm -hmm. um, to get known. Sometimes you don't take in the money and the same effort is being made and you're still at zero in both situations. So it's just another way of Mm -hmm. promoting yourselves or yourself. And we don't always, I think, have to think of it as like, oh, shoot, I did that wrong. Now, doing it for too long is where we run into problems. And so that's, I I literally had a deadline of one year and um, and I'm not a very like administratively, um, like just business minded person. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is my area of weakness. I know that, but, and I didn't know that it, I like, I wouldn't even have even thought of a marketing budget, Yeah, but I knew that, um, I knew that this might've been a smart idea just to build my reputation. And like when somebody would, and I was, I, I learned a lot of lessons during that time. Like if somebody wanted me to create like say 10, centerpieces and their budget was small where I couldn't do work that I was proud of. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. I would say, let's do one amazing piece that like when your guests walk in, they'll be blown away by, you know, instead of these small pieces. So I wouldn't, you know, compromise so much to where I, you know, compromise like what, what would be true to what our design and what you what was part of your brand the brand that you were developing Mm -hmm. that's smart you are a business person in (laughs) fact and I want to say another sort of anecdote to that same point I mean if we look at what's happened with the internet and with social media Mm -hmm. these companies still haven't made money they all it's been all about traction get traction get traction and then we'll figure out how to monetize this Mm -hmm. so you were just ahead of the game that's all (laughs) i just just know ahead of the game um okay so let's talk about you don't just get to be a creative person and then launch a a flower company that's successful so did you have a little practice are you self-taught were Mm -hmm. you an apprentice for someone how did you know how to make these flowers become your voice (laughs) or what, what was behind that for you? Well, I am self-taught. Um, and I, I definitely had, when I launched, my style was very different. Mm -hmm. Um, I was super inspired by Jeff Lethem. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's this amazing florist here in LA and, um, he does like celebrity weddings Uh and stuff like that, but he believes in the, the power of a single flower, but in, so he'll do monochromatic, like all, yeah. you know, massive amounts of roses. And he doesn't play with like vases or any types of vessels. It's just the focus is a flower in glass, you know, in a simple glass vase. And I loved that about his style. And I, so I, I feel like I started mimicking that at first a little bit. And then I designed and, and then I realized what my true style was, which was much more organic and felt very natural and um, and it just, it just spoke to me more. So I shifted into that. Um, but I, I mean, I was hungry to learn and the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. Like I just realized like, like just that hunger was really, you know, deep in me. Yeah. Um, and so I, YouTube videos, um, just, you know, online, Pinterest, Instagram, all that stuff. And then, um, I did go to a floral retreat, one weekend. Oh my gosh, that sounds glorious. It was awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was awesome. And not only that, but the the owner, her name was um Bess from Celadon Celery. Uh-huh. Um and she actually asked if she could spend the day with me um on a on a the the following week. I was like, heck yeah. Um so <laughs> so we um <clears throat> were able to spend the whole day doing 
I, I worked with her on a couple of projects, and she was just the most generous person. Oh, wow. um, she, we sat down for probably two hours, and she just let me ask any question I wanted to know. Um, and she just she she really poured into me. And there's another man named Chris Chris Brown who is the same. Like I've been able to text him and and call him, and he's given me so much good advice, especially on the business side. Um, so I feel like those people have been an inspiration to me and really made me um, feel so free to give anything I've learned away to these new floral designers coming up as well. It's cool. And it's cool that you're mentioning their name. My guess is it's that part of who you are that mm -hmm. gave them the freedom to share their sort of industry secrets with you yeah. because you, they knew you were the right person to pour into. And mm, I think for, for many of us who are searching for mentors, um, I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. What are you going to do with that information? And right. how do you give credit to the person who's taught you and, and shown you a path? And then how do right. you then pay it forward, mm -hmm. which is what you're also yeah. talking about? Um, I'm curious when you started to feel like maybe you were more of an organic style florist, were you really nervous when you put that first piece out that really was yours, like your design? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like it just kind of morphed slowly. Um, but yeah, I, I also, I'm a huge believer in originality. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, like, I have a love hate relationship with Pinterest. When yeah. I meet with brides now, I always tell them to give me, you know, a board of, in, of pictures that they love. Like I'll never, copy somebody's work like yeah. for on my end I feel like that's disrespectful yeah um I don't mind at all if anybody wants to copy my work that's completely fine but um I just believe there are enough flowers like thousands of varieties yeah and millions of combinations that they can be put together that no one should ever have the exact same design sure. um so I'm, I'm a huge believer in that and so we we work from a whole like maybe five or six pictures that a bride would like for like her bridal bouquet. And then that just inspires what we do. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of how we, we create this, this look. So that's interesting to me because I can imagine having been a bride once myself, mm -hmm. um, that it, you're kind of a nightmare when you're in that season <laughs> of life in that, I mean, there's a lot of pressure and you're spending a lot of money right. and, um, you want things to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. How do you comfort that person, whether it's a bride or an mm -hmm. event you're doing, who, whoever the person paying you to do right. the job, how do you comfort them by saying, we're going to take that inspiration, but really we're going to create something different and still mm -hmm. make them feel, um, like they're going to achieve what mm -hmm. they were hoping to achieve. Cause I think in all creative industries, that's an issue. Right. Even as a graphic designer, you bring something and you say, Hey, this inspires me, this color palette or this font or this whatever. And then we need to give that creative person the ability right. to create. Right. How do you do that and instill yeah. that in the client? I mean, I, I really get to know my brides. Um, and so I think even like getting to know a person, you can, understand a little bit better, you know, what they're looking for just based on who they are. Mm -hmm. And so I think they, I think just building the trust of our, of our meeting time together as we're building trust, I think they start to like, if they don't, if they, um, see my work like on Instagram yeah, and they, and they trust my aesthetic 90% of the time, you know, they're, I've never had a bride too worried. I've had a couple of brides who are 
micromanagers, just sure. a couple. Yeah. And they've been really tough for me because they want to know like specific flowers. But the floral industry doesn't work that way. No. Like week to week, they can be different. Sure. And some things will look great and healthy one week and terrible the next week. And sometimes, you know, six years into this, I'll see a flower I've never seen in my life at the at the flower mart. And, you know, that just blows me away that yeah. I'm like, I have to use this, yeah. you know? So um, I think if they trust my, if they trust my aesthetic um, and, and I do get to know them and see their board and, un, and explain to them that their, their story is going to be told through these flowers because they're unique um, mm. as a couple. And so, you know, I don't know. I think just getting to know them, I think just, yeah. yeah so it sounds sense. like it sounds like for those of us who are in the service industry who are listening to you mm-hmm. and who need that sort of creativity, it sounds like what you're saying is it's really it's a level of trust that it you is. establish it with is. those people so that they can give you the freedom you need right. and so that they can be um they can feel safe or right. insured that they're going to get something that speaks to them. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's helpful because I know a lot of people <laughs> who struggle with that. I know because when I got married like 20,000 years ago, I, I pointed to You look to so a, good. <laughs> wow. 20,000. <laughs> but I literally like pointed to the to the bouquet I wanted from a pamphlet, sure. you know, and that's what they made. So like yeah. it, things have come a long way, you know, in the floral industry, like. So much more creative now. Which also means there's a ton of competition, which I want to get into in a second. Mm -hmm. So you decide that you want to enter. I mean, you talked about early on that you became a substitute teacher so Mm -hmm. you could be close to your son. Mm -hmm. And so you probably could have his schedule of, you know, days and Mm -hmm. vacations and all of that. Then you go into an industry Mm -hmm. that requires your time on right. weekends and evenings. Right. How, how did you come? And by the way, if you were a man, I would ask the very same <laughs> thing. So I don't want anybody yeah, calling yeah. us no, and saying, no. I can't believe that. <laughs> I'm asking it just about how as a family person who right. originally made a decision based on that mm-hmm. now looks into an industry that can really pull. I mean, you're just not there at the same times they right. are. Exactly. How did you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's always a, you know, a give and take. Yeah. Um, but my family's like priority for me. Um, and I feel like it's, I mean, I have one, which yeah. has, has worked out well for me. But, um, you know, I think I, the timing of it when he was 11 is when I started. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could have done it if he was like a little, yeah. you know, a little toddler or whatever. But, and I think you were talking about this with a, with another interview you did about how kids, when they get older, sometimes we think they don't need us when oh, yeah. I've learned they need us more yeah, when they're older agreed. and they need I'm like, learning that yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I've learned with, with Jacob, my son, that, um, he can be, we, sometimes he doesn't want to talk at yeah. all, but he needs to know that I'm in the next room yeah. and I'm available if he needs me. Yeah. Um, so the good thing about Poppy Hill is that I've always worked from from a home studio. Mm-hmm. When we started, I was in a we we lived in this teeny tiny house in Altadena, which mm-hmm. I actually I loved that house, <laughs> but um, but it was tiny. And I would overtake our entire dining room and his room, which was the size of a large walk-in closet, um, had the best window unit. <laughs> and so his room became my walk-in cooler. Um, and he would just like, he would, you know, he wouldn't be in his room and I would have all the flowers in there and just put the air conditioner down to like 
you know, just freezing temperatures. And at night he would like <laughs> jump over the buckets of flowers and <laughs> snuggle under his bed. And he never complained. Like it was, you know, I was always there. Yeah. Um, and then now it, the situation's so much better because I actually have a studio, but it's at my home as well. Oh, that's nice. So that's a good thing is that I'm, you know, even if I'm working in the studio, I can always go inside and, you know, I wish I would say I was cooking dinner, but I would go pick something up for Yeah. <laughs> Assembled meals exactly, are, they're, exactly. they're underrated. It's okay. Um, and so does that mean in terms of delivering flowers on a Saturday for mm -hmm. a Saturday wedding or all that, it's limited to that? You can deliver and then be... Because I know there are people listening yeah. that are going to say, I want to do what Laura yeah, does. No. So I want to give them a sense <laughs> of what give that's the like. Let yeah. um, No, actually, wedding days are almost a full work, work day. Okay. Now, this is so crazy because now he's 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Now I take him with me when he doesn't have a game or something because sure. he's very athletic. So he's in a lot of sports. But um, now he works with me. Um, and he, he loves it and he, cause he gets paid. That's yeah. the only reason why he loves it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's great. But, a a, a wedding work day, we probably get there. If the wedding starts at five, we probably get there about noon Okay. and we stay until at least the reception starts. Okay. Cause we usually are doing some transferring. I was going to say moving hour. things yeah. so, to mm -hmm. repurpose some of yeah. that. Okay. That makes sense. Um, Laura, I want to talk a little bit about the competition piece because as you mentioned, there's so much more available. And I think through things like Pinterest and stuff, other people have been able to become self-starters in this industry. Mm -hmm. um, so, And the wedding industry, as we all know, is just, it. it's recession-proof. It's booming all the time. <laughs> Everyone's, I mean, even when people um, are having smaller weddings mm -hmm. or, you know, and it's not just extravagant, there's all, they need a photographer, they right. need flowers. There's always some combination of those things. How do you, or how have you handled uh, since 2011 to present, how have you handled all that competition coming in and how do you stay ahead of that or mm -hmm. how do you deal with that, I guess? Right. Um, I, I think, well, I think it has to do with the fact that we live in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. but there's more than enough work for all of us. Mm -hmm. I really think that, um, which is why I don't, I, I don't think competition is an issue for me at all. Like, um, I just feel like there's plenty of work and well, do you get a lot of word of mouth? Is that your, because where is your sort of main source of referral mm -hmm. or yeah. how are they finding out about you? So I would say a, bi a, a big way that I get work is through wedding planners. Okay. So relationships with wedding planners, okay. as well as photographers. One of the first first vendors that people hire are photographers, even sometimes before the wedding planner. Um, really? So yeah. Mm -hmm, I've, I've found that. So I have a lot of relationships with photographers okay. that will refer me. I do a little um, survey on a questionnaire on my website of how people found me. Instagram is a big one, okay. um, which is good because I, I post every single day religiously on that. Um, and then when I'm at the wedding, um, I'm always meeting new vendors. So I try to give them a really good experience um, working with me, like making their job as easy as possible, just being super kind because I've worked with really yeah. kind of rude vendors and I've worked with really fabulous vendors. And so, you know, you learn who you want to work with and who you, sure. you know, they're just not so great to work with. Um, so I always want to give them a good experience. And then you, you're, 
every wedding that you do, there's a huge handful of bridesmaids <laughs> that are in their 20s. <laughs> yeah. So I actually get a lot of bridesmaids from former bride okay. clients. Yeah. Okay. So it's a combination. Mm-hmm. I really like the, the, the tip is really what it is about... Um, making sure the relationship between, you know, vendor mm-hmm. to vendor right. is a good one because mm-hmm. your flowers might be beautiful and so mm-hmm. might the next three people that right. they work with, but who you are right. and how it is mm-hmm. to work with you might be the marked difference, right. might be the thing that makes them go, hey, new bride, yes. I know a florist you need mm-hmm. to work with. Right. Um, because because on Pinterest and on Instagram, it's overwhelming it how is, many yeah. amazing things there are to see. And there's something a little bit crazy happening in the floral industry that's, I mean, I would say I got in right before this started happening, Mm -hmm. but um, there are a lot of people that with Instagram now you can just claim, you know, take some great pictures and now I'm a floral business, Um, which is kind of what I did, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but there's still an industry standard that, that, um, it's start the conversation starting now more on all these blogs and you know floral groups. Um, but there's an industry standard that that if any new florist would even just Google, you know, floral industry standards or you know pricing or whatever, they would see what the the typical markup is. Mm-hmm. And a, a, the the problem is a lot of these new florists are coming in and doing really inexpensive um, work. I mean, they're doing good work, but they're not making any money. Um, and and I, undercutting yes, and people so that, in the industry. And in that way, that's that's making it hard on the florists that are trying to just stay with the standard, you know. And um, and the thing about that is I understand why they're doing it because they're just, you know, they're, they're wanting to get out there and they know they're, got, they're going to raise the, raise the prices eventually. But um, but it's that's not sustainable for them. And I feel like you at the very beginning you want to set your your standard because you don't want to get you don't want to be known as that cheap florist you know she'll she'll work for cheap and she does good work you know so um that that it's just not sustainable like you can't make a career out of that it's fun and I think it's great to I, I think it's totally fine to say I want to do this as a side thing more as a hobby but if you want to make a career out of it I think you need to you know, price correctly. So your your words of wisdom are to the person who's launching and mm-hmm. saying, go ahead and and start your pricing where that industry standard right. window is. It's not necessarily, I thought you were going somewhere different earlier. I thought you were saying, don't do that, you new person starting out, well, because you're affecting the rest of us. Well, okay. So a little bit of that as well, because I do think that you should start out a little bit lower because you're not as experienced and maybe your design. And you don't have maybe the overhead or the staff. There's some reasons you can do that. Right. So I would say to, you know, slowly, progressively get to where you need to be, but not to the point where it's like, you know. Now you're stuck. Yeah. now, Now you're stuck. Now you have a reputation that that's what you charge. And it's, it's honestly hurting the whole industry. Okay. So that's. Good mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. And you said you feel like that's shifting now because of blogs and stuff. So people shift. are uh-huh. really having yeah. this conversation they more are. publicly. Yes. Okay. Now we talked about being hired for this person's very important day, whether it's mm-hmm. a bride or a, some big event that you're doing. And I can imagine that that's both super rewarding, mm-hmm. but also can be really taxing mm-hmm. depending on the person that you're working with. How do you... or what is it in you that personality wise that 
does well in that kind of intense environment. Yeah. I love it. Like I, when I first started the business, I would do like, um, you know, single order arrangements and that was so not for me. I'm just not a, I don't like monotony. I love uh -huh. project based work. And so I loved, I love everything about the wedding process. I love, um, starting at coffee with the bride and dreaming together. I love that. I love the stress of it. I think I thrive <laughs> yeah. under stress yeah. a little bit. Like I love the wedding day. Like I love the energy of the wedding day. And, um, and I, I don't know. I just, I wake up with butterflies in my stomach. I promise as much as the bride does. Like I'm nervous every single wedding yeah. because it's so important to me that I could literally ruin their, their wedding day, you know, yeah. if things don't go well. So, and I, and for me, it, it just fits my personality type. I love living that way. I love, I think we all should wake up with butterflies in our stomach because we're mm. doing something that pushes us a little, Sure, you know, so it, it's a good fit for me. And now that my son is, you know, about to graduate high school, I relate to the moms a little bit more than I used to. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I, I, you know, I, I love the brides, but sometimes I really feel the mom. I yeah. get it. And I see her bugging her daughter on her wedding day, but I, I feel all the emotions she's feeling. Yeah. And yeah. It's just, oh, that's cool. I, I probably linger a little bit longer than I should at weddings because <laughs> I just like to watch. <laughs> it's so fun. That's actually very sweet. <laughs> Um, okay, I think that's good learning a little bit more about what it takes or how you're able to thrive in that industry. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think for people listening, it gives them some context. And mm -hmm. maybe if you're not project-based and that kind right. of stress is hard, yes. then maybe you just want to shop where you're putting out exactly. flowers that people can come yeah, in and, like and buy. Yeah, like I respect, you know, people that can do the everyday arrangements. I can't do that. Um, but some people, they you know, they thrive in that environment. Sure. Did, did you ever think that was a road you were going to go down? No, okay. never, never. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you didn't have to dabble in that and no. then switch. So although you've shared with us a lot of tips already, I want to transition us into the second half of sure. the conversation <laughs> where we really dig a, a little bit deeper into that. So again, there's going to be listeners out there who have really connected with your story and want to be surrounded by flowers and want to go on flower retreats <laughs> and things like that. Um, but they have no idea where to begin. Uh, you gave a little sort of whether you know it or not, a little tip about, look, you can put up beautiful flowers on Instagram and, and mm -hmm. you know, you've hung your shingle. But what do you recommend they do as a first step? Um, okay, so I probably did things really backwards. Okay. So I wouldn't recommend necessarily doing it like I did because I just jumped into it and it kind of just took off for me. Um, but I didn't have like a business plan. Like I didn't, I didn't do things in the right order probably, mm -hmm. but I definitely knew, um, I knew my why, mm -hmm. um, which I think is really important yep. because I think people know if you're really, if you, um, they'll, they'll almost follow your why more than they'll follow your talent. So they follow you as a person. Ooh, a little quotable. <laughs> um, and then I would definitely say like, okay, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier because I don't want to make this sound glamorous at all mm -hmm. because anyone that's in the floral industry knows it's the most unglamorous job that there is. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, you're washing buckets and you're lifting heavy things all the time and you're staying up all night and you're stripping flowers. Getting up early know, in the morning. Getting up yeah. super early, yeah. So it's not glamorous. The actual design is a very small part of, of the whole job. Um, so I would just say you have to love, like, don't just look at the end destination. Mm -hmm. Look at the journey. 
So if you're going to be happy in the journey to get to the whatever your destination is, then <clears throat> then you're set. But if you're you're just looking at the end picture um, and you're not ready to really give that hard work and you know you have to have a strong work ethic. If you don't have that, if you're not willing to stay up all night, you know if if you need to to make the bride's day perfect, then this is probably not the right career for you because um, nobody's going to care about it. Like you know anyone sure. that you hire to help you do the job, it, you know, it comes down to you. Sure. So, I mean, I've been in tears at 3 a.m. before because it's night two that I've stayed up all night. Um, but like that, that's me. Yeah. And when I fall in bed at the end of the night after a successful wedding, I'm exhausted, but in the best possible way. Yeah. Like I, I'm so invigorated by yeah. just the, the art of creating. That's so, so cool. Yeah. I want to do flowers now, <laughs> but okay. So let's say, somebody's listening and says, I'm there. I'm mm -hmm. right with you, Laura. I'm all night. I can do all nighters. I will, you know, I hear you on the journey mm -hmm. and the destination. I'm there. Where do I start? What's the first thing that I should do? Okay. Well, I mean, besides the actual, like going to get your licenses and stuff like that, like they no, can... No, even that. Oh, okay. So oh. we need a license. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I think I bought uh, the the book, Starting a Business for Dummies. And, um, but you basically just go to the, oh my gosh. It's, it, yeah. What is that building called? Well, um, you can even just go to the... Board S of Equalization. Yeah. And That's you okay. can go to SBA yeah. and they they'll have go. all of this. They'll, but it, they'll walk you through it, honestly. But it's like the, a, a resale license? A resale license. Okay. You have to get, you have to choose a name, which actually could take a long time, make sure nobody else in the whole planet has right. it. Um, and then you have to, I don't even know if it's the same now, but you have to be published for 24 hours in the newspaper. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, you I have, have to be I have published to in the yeah. newspaper? Yeah, you oh, do. Wow. I don't, I'm, there's some reason behind it, but yeah. Um, but it's pretty simple. I mean, I did it in a day and then that's it. Um, but as far as like, launching the business to get yourself out there, I would say one of the most important things is photographs. Okay. So somebody told me this when I, when I started, because I was like, I think I've erased forever the pictures of the florals that I started with. Um, but I would take pictures in the corner of my front porch and there was like dust on the walls. And I mean, it was just bad. <laughs> and I think I took it with like a really old iPhone and um, and somebody told me that tip and I remember I was like, what, <laughs> like, are my pictures good? Um, but, but they were absolutely right. Like now when I look at people that are starting businesses, like they're, if you don't photograph it, it never happened first of yeah. all. And, and having a professional photographer's photo makes a hundred percent difference. So no matter how many pictures, beautiful arrangements that you had, if they're not beautifully taken in a picture, then don't post it because that's where people are just going to go see your work. Sure. And so they can tell within three seconds if you are the real deal or not. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to just go through this really quickly. So I hop on to SBA or the board of, uh, equalization, equalization. um, and you can go on to any franchise tax board.com or dot probably, uh, org yeah. maybe uh -huh. in yeah. your, in a oh, there, there you go. And they'll tell you what to, you need to do in your city. You need to get a resale license mm -hmm. and you need to have established a name. And you can do that really simply just by 
going to um, your bank, opening an account, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a DBA, doing business as. Right. This also varies state to state, so you want to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Then you do, I think, what you're talking about, which is that you want to get your name and your URL, don't forget, mm-hmm. um, and your Instagram and all those other <laughs> handles. But you want to, and, and that's a really good, back in the day, we didn't have to worry about that. Right, if right. we could just get it registered, right. we were good. But now you want to make sure that you can get the handles for all those names. Right. So we've done all that. Then we want to get good pictures, Mm -hmm. but we have no money because we're starting out. So do we just ask a friend who's got, you know, a a great camera to take some pictures for us? Is that what you were able to do? Yeah. um, You you really don't have to have a lot of money. Like I didn't have a lot of money when when I launched, Um, but you can do styled shoots, which is a really popular Mm -hmm. thing. You can do it at cost if you don't um, have the budget set aside to do that. Um, where they just pay for the cost of product and then you create and then the the that's payback smart. is you're getting professional photos. Yeah, that's really smart. And um, with all the yeah. influencers now, I mm-hmm. bet you can find lots of people yeah. who want to do that. And then I would that. always have my friend. Remember I said how I used to volunteer for that whole first year? I would always make sure the trade-off was, was photos. So yeah. I see. I don't yeah. buy this. I wasn't a good <laughs> business person. I think you absolutely were. So if somebody wants to um, specialize in floral design, in particular the wedding industry, Mm -hmm. and you talked about these relationships you've established with other vendors, and it's kind of a tight-knit family. It sort of reminds me of people in the television or film industry that they tend to hire their friends and people that they've worked with um, from film to film, commercial to commercial, Mm -hmm. show to show. So how does somebody break into that? What, what do they do to break into that really tight knit market? Um, I, I would say, um, networking and not in the way that it used to be, Mm -hmm. but networking. Hello, my name is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I used to hate those things and I was so bad at them, but now it's honestly just authentic friendship, you know? And so I would say, um, you're your clients off of Instagram, I'm sorry, your followers on Instagram, if they make a comment, like mm-hmm. always responding, mm-hmm. like, like it's a real interaction. It's not just, they're not like fans, you know what I mean? Like they're, you're, you're really yeah. establishing friendships on Instagram. Um, and, and then, oh, I know, I know that every time I set up for a wedding, I always wish I had business cards on me because without fail, there's people doing walkthroughs because we go so early oh, and it's a Saturday. So people are constantly doing walkthroughs. So I've gotten a lot of clients that way. But I don't think that was your question. It was just <laughs> when you start out, how do you yeah, break, into break into those? Into I mean, that right. is only one mm-hmm. way, right, is developing those relationships. So maybe they right. just need to forego that because how are you going to, unless you go to a baker or you go to a photographer and say, I'm new in the business, please refer me. Here's some pictures. I mean, how, how do you, what's a way to really enter into that business, Mm -hmm. even if they're doing what you did, which is a year or six months or whatever for free? I've, I felt very, like it's pretty open, honestly. Um, I've never felt like, I mean, there are like some people that you see consistently on like that work with the best photographers and stuff like that. But I mean, I think just doing your best work and styled shoots, I think would really help you, you know, get to know vendors that way. Um, And I mean, you could always, I've always had this on my list of to do that I've never done, but like 
taking in a small arrangement to a venue because they have preferred vendors list and just asking if you can, you know, get your name on the list or whatever. I haven't quite been brave enough to do that yet or had time, but um, I think that could be a smart move sure. for people. Sure. And I think we probably also need to think within the industry, those are some tips, but there's also the brides themselves and they're yeah. new and they're young and they're, yeah. they're coming from different, you know, mm-hmm. different places. Like right. how do we get them in the engagement mode perhaps, right. or, right. you know, okay, so there's an engagement ring often. And right. then how right. do you get to know the engagement ring people so you can right. get in early on? So there's other ways or points of entry, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about Instagram and we've talked about taking great pictures and, I'm wondering how do you advise people to continue to promote themselves visually on these various platforms without concern or worry that they're going to be copied because mm-hmm. that's the other that's the flip side of that coin, right? right? You put your stuff, your beautiful stuff out there and then that just means there's more opportunity to be copied. Is right. that a concern for you? I I think at first it used to be. I remember having a conversation with my brother where somebody had asked me to do um, a floral thing that I felt like was kind of my thing Uh um, because because other people weren't doing it and I couldn't make it that day. And so they were going to do it themselves. Um, and, And I remember just like, I almost canceled my family thing so I could be there because I, I wanted to hold on to that so much. Um, cause I knew there would be some exposure, um, and a lot of people there. And I remember my brother just telling me to let go of that, like, mm. don't hoard your ideas. Um, and because I just think that in order to be free to create, you can't, you, you have to choose one or the other. You have to be completely free to create, or you have to, you know, be really careful not to let other people copy, which there's no way to How? control that, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I always encourage new florists to that, that your what you create comes out of who you are. So your life experience, your relationships with people, mm-hmm. your, the way you look at nature, the filter through which you see the world, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, and then like, I don't know if you know much about the Gallup Strengths Finder. Uh, oh, thing. Yeah. too much. No. I know too much <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. So like everyone is so unique and different. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my brother said, Laura, you, your superpower, this is your superpower. You have ideation and mm-hmm. you have connectedness. Mm-hmm. Those are your superpowers plus your life experience and your, you know, artistic abilities or whatever, like no one can create like you can create. And I believe that's true for every single person. So this, this idea that like, we have to make it look like it does on the Pinterest board. Like I want people to let go of that Mm -hmm. because you're, you're eventually going to get to the point where you realize, all right, this is me. I want to work with my own two hands to create something unique. That's not already out there. You know, Yeah. I, 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 you can't control if people copy you. That's fine. Just let it go and just keep creating and keep keep uh, dreaming. Like we literally create the future out of our own imagination. Mm-hmm. Like there's stuff out there that I can't wait to see um, created that that no one's done before and hasn't even been imagined in our minds yet. Like that's mm-hmm. inspiring to me. So I think I just encourage people more in that way than to worry about holding on to your ideas. Because, you, I mean... You can't. You can't keep people from copying. I love that you've also kind of set the tone for us to think about the exchange of energy. It's like, are Mm -hmm. you going to spend it on holding on to this or are you going to give it up and use that energy on 
you know, developing kind of what's next for exactly. you and, and surprising yourself, right. not, not only other people, yeah. but surprising yourself. And we just finished, I just finished editing this great article that someone wrote for Liberty magazine, mm-hmm. which is coming soon. Awesome. And it's about this concept of scarcity mm-hmm. and when we operate from that space mm-hmm. and how little comes from it right. as opposed to the space yeah. of abundance. And you're right. talking about this, yeah. this abundant creativity that we actually right. have to offer. So my husband really helps me. I, I have the, so my husband is the CEO, which is the carry everything officer. <laughs> um, but but I, I in my like non, you know, business minded, whatever. Stop um, saying that. I'm not going to let you say that anymore. I don't buy it. I have this little um, board of directors and they're uh-huh. basically just the wisest people I know. So mm. my husband, my brother, and then a girlfriend who helps me with the, with the financial side of it. Yeah. And, um, and my husband also helped me to let go of any type of bitterness. So like, it's not personal when a bride is lowballing, like it's Mm -hmm. not like, sometimes you need to educate the brides. Like they don't understand maybe why something would cost that much or, or why setup and delivery costs so much, you know, when you have to educate them that, you know, you're talking about three or four people, they're there like seven hours, like you know, that's, that's why it's not a hundred dollars to set up, you know? Yeah. Um, so he, to, to, to let go of that bitterness has really helped me. Cause I think I also started a little bit like getting offended when people would send me this long list of what they wanted with pictures from Pinterest that were from like a million dollar wedding and then tell me their budget was $2,000. Like yeah. <laughs> I would get offended <laughs> yeah. and he was like, no, let that go. That's not, it's not personal. They don't know, sure. you know? So I think, yeah. That's interesting (laughs) too, from a, from a marketing point of view, Mm -hmm. how do you educate, um, so that, and I don't mean just by, with a line item sort Mm -hmm. of thing, but how do you educate in all that is required to make this happen so that when people step into that, they're also not resistant to the price. They're actually Mm -hmm. like, I get it. I get why all of this is going to cost this. And so how do you tell that story? How do you market in a way that, you know, through a brochure, through Mm -hmm. your online, whatever, Mm -hmm. where you're really sort of giving them the the tools to make a good financial decision, like what that budget probably should be. Because even as as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, delivery, it's like gas, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, those people need to stay. And then perhaps they need to transfer that thing. Then there's that thing, paying people. (laughs) But then they need to transfer from the wedding to the, you know, what you had said earlier to the reception. So all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, that makes, Mm -hmm. that makes makes complete sense. And I think sometimes when people have that information, then they're willing right. to do it, but we don't. We we assume because we're in right. whatever industry right. that well, don't you know that? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone should know that yeah, exactly, and they don't. <laughs> um, okay, I wanted to ask a little bit about um, you, you had talked about the networking thing, and you had talked about your ability to to kind of offer great service so that other vendors could see that you were offering that great service mm-hmm. and then want to use you. Mm-hmm. Give us like a little tip on, you said sometimes I just make it so easy for them mm-hmm. to work with me. Right. What's something that you've done for another vendor mm-hmm. in the, in the weddings, you know, environment right. the day of that's been super helpful for them? Mm-hmm. Cause I think sometimes we're like, well, we don't want to step on any right. toes either. Right. So maybe what's something that you've done? Well, I think one thing, um, 
besides kindness, I think like just, just being easy to work with because some vendors are not so easy. Um, like I always take an extra bucket of flowers to every event I ever do and they're leftovers anyway from Mm -hmm. their wedding. So, um, I think some florists would, you know, any little thing they want extra, okay, but I'm going to invoice you, you know, Mm. after the wedding. And I'm a little bit freer with that because they're the wedding's flowers anyway. So I take a whole bucket and like, I'll, you know, if a wedding planner is like, oh, I wish we had something on the sign-in table, I'll just like throw some flowers and greenery on the table. And like, and I kind of take freedom to just put little pops of in florals the yeah everywhere yeah because give them to the caterer yeah it's either going to be there or it's going to get thrown away so um i think that's one thing is like i'm not super hard-nosed about well you want an extra boutonniere well i'm gonna you know invoice <laughs> you right after you know the, it's no problem so yeah. just being easy in that way i would say and then um you know a photographer is like maybe we we need to tear down the arch but they want to take photos you know for another 30 minutes like you know, just making it really easy for them sure. and, you know, just being flexible, I think is. I think one of the things you're talking about, then people want to invoice for everything. Let's say they could invoice at the end of the day with the extra flowers, a couple hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. One way to think about that is if those vendors have great relationships with you and they become a referral source, that you're giving up $200 right. in order to exactly. earn $10,000 yeah. mm-hmm. on the next wedding exactly. or whatever, whatever right. the. I don't know what the cost of wedding was. I don't, did I just highball, lowball? I don't know what I just did. Um, okay. That, that's just from Netta. That had nothing to do with Laura. She would be a good wedding. Okay. Well then good. Then we'll leave it. Um, and then I want to go back to how you approached your own life altering situation. And perhaps some of us don't have a husband who could sit us down and, and say, Hey, consider, consider all that's possible and come up with what would give you joy. Um, what, what would you say to somebody who needs to shift from a current career situation or to begin something, um, altogether different because they need money or they just need to be exercising something creative in them? Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person, uh, in terms of how to get to that? What are some of the first steps or maybe some of the things they should be asking themselves? Mm -hmm. Do you mean out of, out of a crisis type situation? I'd love for you to take your own health Mm -hmm. situation and give us advice. I mean, I I think like just just knowing and hearing so many stories of women in particular. I mean, men are strong, obviously, too. But I feel like women are so strong and resilient that Mm. they almost, like, they create these amazing, you know, businesses or whatever. It's A lot of times it's through crisis, you know? Like, my sister-in-law wrote her first book when she found out she was pregnant with her third, which she was not planning on. It was a complete shock. And she was going to have two kids and then write a book. And then she ended up getting <laughs> pregnant with a third and it was going to, it was going to throw their whole plan off. And she wrote a book that ended up being on the national, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, it was nominated for a national book award. Her oh, very wow. first book, you know, and I, and, but I've heard so many stories like that over and over that, um, sometimes in our, in our toughest moments, we are, we become the strongest. We become the bravest, honestly, because maybe things are put into perspective a little bit more. Um, so I, I understand that a lot of people, like, it is true that like my husband told me, don't worry about money, you know, which, which I understand not everybody can do that. And that was at first. Now I definitely have to (laughs) pitch in. You got to kick it um, in. 
So, you know, but well, you're getting paid $10,000 yeah. for your <laughs> wedding vows. Exactly. Good. Um, but yeah, I would just say um, to really be careful, like get ready to fight this giant. And, mm-hmm. and the giant is your own inner critic. And I think that's the thing that stops us more than anything. Mm. Um, and, and like we mentioned this, but stop with the competition because there's plenty of work. Stop with the comparison because everyone has their own unique mm. um, talent and gifts that they bring to the world. And then stop with the self-doubt because you're just wasting time. I think I found this career late. You know, I was, I was in, well, I was... Oh, it was in my 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> Careful. So, yeah, I was like, that was a long time. Yeah, but I was still in my 40s. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, so I'm not <clears throat> I'm not the typical 20-year-old blonde that has a flower business, yeah. you know? <laughs> you have to be blonde. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're all cute. They're yeah. all blonde. They're all in their 20s. <laughs> but, um, but, I, but I really think you're wasting your time with a self-doubt. Like, even if you don't believe that you can do it, pretend like you do until you believe it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yes. just act, you yeah. know, like you're acting in a play, act confident, even if you're not. And then eventually you'll start believing Catches it. Catches up. I yeah. absolutely believe yeah. that that is true. <laughs> um, what what things do you or have you put in place that um, have allowed you to manage your life, whether it's some daily habits or even apps or, Mm -hmm. you know, third party platforms that you've used, what are some things that maybe have streamlined the conversations with, um, the brides or other vendors Mm -hmm. or just keep you on task? Anything you can recommend? Well, I, okay. True (laughs) story. This is my area of weakness for sure Uh is the organization side. Um, but I just started something called HoneyBook. Good Which is for specifically you. for people yeah. in the wedding industry, I think, right? It's I think it's, maybe it's for I, I think it's it's more expansive than that, okay, but it may okay. have maybe yeah. they have something for right, right. Well, it's just it's just dealing with clients and the steps that you take yeah. to like you know proposals, contracts, payments. Yeah. Um, you know, you can add photos, just like keeping track because my method of keeping track is a little rough right now. And, um, and that's, you know, it's important that you respond right away. And so I feel like HoneyBook's going to really help me turn that around. I'm still trying to figure it out, honestly, because I'm not super technical, but, um, but I'm getting there. And, and so I think that's going to help a lot. Um, I love this podcast called Liberty Session. Yay! Like, I, I drive so much because I meet people all over and um and listening to your podcast huh. and a few That's others. Awesome. Um really I learned like I've been driving and in tears before. Like I learned so much. So I think just just continuing to educating yourself. You yeah. know, find your favorite podcast, your you know, favorite books, whatever. Um there's a an app called Unum, I guess. Yeah. Do you yeah. Oh I don't know that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. specifically for Instagram. So, you know, it, it helps with time because, you know, you don't want to waste too much time on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it just sets up your, you know, your your order of what you're okay. going to post and what looks good next to each other. And that makes a big difference when somebody's, you know, scrolling down, they'll look at the first nine pictures sure. or 12 pictures. Sure. And um, so it it gives you your order so you don't have to spend forever. So do you, have you used Planoly? No, what's I, do, it's it's like it. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm gonna. I'm, ladies and gentlemen. I'm turning to <laughs> Elizabeth right now in studio. Do you know the difference between them? 
She thinks they're probably similar. <laughs> We've had a couple people that we've interviewed uh-huh. who've said that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. They're both one yeah. that you can upload all the photos mm-hmm. and then plan out. Yeah. Okay. It just saves time. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like they're pretty much the same, but we'll see if we can't figure out yeah, some differences and, difference. and, yeah. and report back on that. Um, okay. That's awesome. Thank <laughs> you for those. And then I'm going to sneak this one in because I love flowers myself. <laughs> and um, if you've been around me for any amount of time, you know that I pretend that I arrange them. Oh. I know how to arrange them. So what are some tips for just the novice flower arranger that you might say, Hey, play with this. And of course we're all going to find our own creative style. But having said that, what are some Mm. good things that you can give away to us today? Um, okay. For the flowers to live long. Oh, that's a good one. um, Yeah. Just make sure that your vase is very clean Mm -hmm. because bacteria is what kills them. Okay. Um, make sure there's no greenery in the water. Okay. Like you don't want anything touching the water except for the stem of the flower. Oh, the green, breeds like bacteria okay and then also if you take all the green off of the stems like the water will just feed the flower and it doesn't have to feed this the the leaves and the flower so it will make your flowers live longer oh wow yeah so you don't you don't want to share water with water with the leaves okay um that's a good one a good tip is we live in southern california so take your clippers with you when you go on a walk <laughs> and steal from the neighbor. No, yeah, no, steal that's from not. The park, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, but even, I mean, like this is from my backyard. Like, yeah. like you just like, we don't realize in our own yards, we can How make much? beautiful arrangements. You don't okay. have to like, I mean, maybe buy like one, one little bunch of flowers, but then like use greenery, all different types from your backyard. Okay. Um, I would say that. Okay. I, you know, everyone has their own style. You really can't go wrong if you buy good product. Mm-hmm. Um, having a focal flower, I think, is always important. Like one that like size wise, you don't want them to all be the same size. Okay. Um, so having some good focals in there. And um, what else was I going to say? Oh, color fading. I mean, this is just my personal preference. But like if you have like a dark color next to like a light color, um, like say red and white. Yeah. You wouldn't want to place them next to each other. You'd want to fade okay. into them by like putting some transition colors in between. It's just more pleasing to the eye. Okay. So, I love that. Tips. It's very, is it, um, it's, it's very <laughs> like artistic. On on, like yeah. I can think of a painter using right. some of this same, yeah. um, kind of in thirds, you uh-huh. know, how you sort of design in thirds <laughs> and stuff. I love it. Okay. Thank you. I, that was for me. I got oh. that in for me. So now we always end, as you know, from being oh. a listener, which I love hearing that we end, um, each of our sessions with this quick six. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask you these okay. six questions. Um, do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Flex schedule. Okay. For sure. <laughs> um, and then vacation in the mountains or the beach? Mountains. Man. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. And then work from home or office. We know you have your studio. Uh, definitely a home office. Because okay. being out of the office, being out of the home, like keeping the mess out of the home is a really good idea. Yeah. Okay. So a, a, an office in your home, but away from your yeah, home. Yeah, like a okay. separate, even like a separate little back house or okay. something. Okay. Okay. Um, and then do you prefer working alone or with a team, which sounds like you do both? Yeah. Uh, I actually probably prefer to design alone mm-hmm. and to for sure set up with a team. And I would love if somebody else would just do the prepping all themselves, like okay. stripping the blow. Okay. <laughs> they, okay. can have it. Yeah. <laughs> they can do all that. Um, that, that's a good intern job, right? Oh, they get to learn it. from oh, you. Give, and... Anyone needs a, needs an intern. Okay. <laughs> they heard it here. They heard it here. 
And then um, I always say this is the hardest question, Thai or Mexican food. Um, Thai. And the spicier, the better. And oh, yes, yes. I'm, yes, I'm 49% Mexican, but yes, Thai <laughs> oh, <yeah>. food. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then this um, podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Mm-hmm. Our uh, brand is Liberty. Our URL is Liberty for her. <laughs> what does it mean for you, Laura, to be liberated? Um, I would say it's to authentically and unapologetically live the life you are uniquely created to live, Mm. um, to bring good to your little corner of the world. Oh, wow. That's awesome. There's like (laughs) seven quotables that I know that are in this. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. I appreciate it. And I myself have not just about flower arranging, but you've given so many little morsels today that are um, life-giving. Oh, so thank, thank you. you for that. Thank Appreciate you for what it. you guys do. It's so helpful to all oh, of us. Thanks. We, we, we hope so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Liberty listeners until next week, we'll see you later. Bye. Liberty sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple podcast, SoundCloud, Google play and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 